Hello, hello. Amen. Why don't we take our seats this morning? So great to be in the house of God. Love hearing the buzz and the noise of the family. Shane, what are you up to? Is he being naughty? Is he being naughty? Oh, <laughs> so beautiful. I wonder if we could just stand for one minute and we'll just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house right now. Thank you that you are with us, God. And your presence is here, Father. We thank you. Lord, that you would speak to us and through us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. That's not the music, by the way. No, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to breathe the Lord in right now. Just take your breath. Just breathe him in, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. And just put your hand on the person next to you right now and just pray, Lord, just this morning, can you reach in? Can you touch? Can you impart to us this morning something fresh, something new, something we can take away with us, God? We pray, God, that you would come by your Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. I want you to just lift your hands now like this to the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. How we need you, Lord. How we need you, Father. How we need you, Lord. Come and fill this place, oh God. With your holy presence, God. Your grace and your mercy, God. Now, if you know how to pray in the Spirit, why don't you just pray in the Spirit for a moment? Just open your spirit up to God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just begin to pray in the Spirit. We worship you, worship you, we worship you, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy is your name, holy is your name, God. Holy is your name, oh God. Do, 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 do. We worship you, God. And sometimes you just got to take time to breathe, you know. We breathe you in, Lord. Holy, holy Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thank you, Lord. I just love his presence, don't you? Don't you just love his presence? I just cry every time. I'm a sook. Every time I'm in his presence, I just cry. You know, many, many years ago in 1982, and many of you would know this, I was saved through an, you can just turn that down a bit now. I was saved through an encounter uh, with Jesus himself. So I'd never heard about church, never knew about God, had no understanding of God whatsoever. And one day in a hotel room in the middle of Asia, I was actually in Singapore, Dickie, Jesus appeared in my room himself and began to speak to me and call me to himself. His face was the most beautiful face you would ever see. When you look into the face of Jesus, you are never, ever the same. The feeling that filled that room on that day, still today, 42 years later, 42 years later, I can feel it when I think about him, when I... When I remember that, that face, when I remember that feeling, 
I can feel it right now. I can close my eyes and just go there right now because when you encounter God, you are never the same. That's what, that's what you need. You know, people say to, to Phil and I, how have you lasted all these years, you know, 26 years now since pioneering this church and we're still fresh and we're still in love with God and we're, how have you lasted all these times? Because we've learned how to live in a river. We've learned that there is a river that flows when the presence of Jesus is in the room, when the presence of Jesus is with you. There is a river, the Bible talks about a river that flows from the very throne of God. And it just pours into you. It just pours, and you learn to live out of that space. I, I, I was thinking about his face recently and I, I decided that I'd try and charcoal it in and try and show you. I mean, his eyes were blue like the ocean. I mean, this is black and, black and white charcoal. But, you know, you look into these eyes, even in the eyes of a drawing. I was drawing this and I'm crying. I'm going, Jesus, stop looking at me. I'm trying to draw you. You know, he's just looking back at me, you know. This face, this presence, this Jesus, he changes our lives. And the thing is this, how do we stay changed? How do we keep looking into this face? How do we keep in that presence? And I want to give you some secrets today on how we've stayed in longevity. We came into the church when, when we were only, you know, young in the Lord. We both had an encounter with God. And when we came into the church, I walked into the church and I thought, he's here. I was crying. I could feel Jesus in the church. It was an exciting day to know that Jack, actually Jesus went to church. You ever been in a church where Jesus wasn't there? It's a sad day. And so I, I knew in my heart of hearts, I never want to go to church or be a part of a church where, where he's not there, where Jesus isn't there. And so we walked into this church and it was just full of Jesus. And the first years of our Christian lives were just full of the Holy Ghost and full of Jesus. But as you know, the church at large and us as Christians, we kind of start really hot and then we, we get like people, we calm down, don't we? You know, people used to say to me, just calm down. Just chill a bit. You're too intense. You know, it's like, no, I'm actually really in love, you know. And so after a while, the ch we, we went to another church and we moved up the coast. And, you know, church just became normal and ordinary. And we probably went for about four years in the church we were in. And it's not no fault of the pastors. It was just the season that the church globally was in where you know, there was no altar calls. There was nothing happening. And so Phil and I started to cry out to God and say, God, where are you? We can't just, you know, when you go to church and then you go home and you feel worse, it's not a good day. It's like, because you get, you're worse because you're so burdened that nothing happened. You're, so, you're just so weighted down that nothing happened. I went to church. God, I was there. Where are you? What's going on? This is not how it should be. So Phil and I got really, really hungry for God, and we started watching these videos that someone gave us of Rodney Howard Brown. It was a move of God that was happening. And, of course, it began to manifest in our home. And so we had a connect group that was like 10 people, then it was 20, then it was 30, then we were 40. Then we moved into a hall for connect group. We had 200 people coming on a Tuesday night. <laughs> and we'd stay like till 3 in the morning. We'd have to carry people out. They were under the power of God. And God was just doing this work, and it had nothing to do with us. It was just, it was this river that began to flow. And we wanted so much. We wanted so much to be a part of this and let the river flow through our lives. And it was an amazing, and it lasted so long. And, and we actually pioneered this church in 1996 out of that river. That's why when you, you're in this place, you feel the depth. You can feel, you know, you, you walk in, you can feel it in the soil. It's in the prayers, the river, the depth of God is in this place. Amen. And so for, for all the years, Phil and I have gone, we never want to let this go. People would say, okay, the river of God that was flowing, the move of God is finished. Let's just get on with normal church. Well, we never wanted to ever do normal church 
Anybody want normal church? Anybody? Anybody here? You're in the wrong place if you want normal church. You can go down the road or whatever. But I'm telling you this, we never want normal church. We're always going to be contending, contending, and contending for the river of God to flow through this church. Because it's not just a move of God, then it stops, and a move of God, then it stops. It's, a move. it's not God that stops the flow of the river, it's man. He's, what, what does man do? Man wants to control again. Man wants to put God in a box again. Man wants to make it all nice and squeaky clean, thinking that we're going to reach the world if we make it nice. If there's no ouch factors, I've heard that. Oh, no, there's ouch factors in the church. You know, If someone falls over, if someone gets filled with the Holy Spirit, if someone has deliverance, if someone gets healed, for goodness sake, that's an ouch factor. And we shouldn't be doing ouch factors in the church. Well, I don't know, but someone needs to tell Jesus that he ouched a lot of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And, um, and so... So what we discovered was that, yes, move of gods may come and go, but the river of God it speaks of it in Revelations 21, that the river of God continuously flows. And so it's up to us whether we choose to tap into that or not. And what we discovered in our lives, in our family, hopefully in, in, the, in, the, very, in the very roots of this church, in the, in the the foundations of this church, this is what we would hope, that we discovered that the river of God is a lifestyle, that it doesn't come and go, that it continuously flows to anyone who is open, to anyone who is willing, to anyone who is hungry and thirsty. Didn't Jesus say, whoever is thirsty, come to me and I will give you a drink. Because if you taste of this drink, you will never thirst again. He said you will never thirst. There shouldn't be times where we're dry, when we're hot, when we're cold, when we're lukewarm. We're, we should be hot all the time. We should be drinking all the time. The river of God should always flow through our lives. So I want to talk to you this morning about the river of God. And I want to, I want to, I want to point out some things in the word of God through Ezekiel the prophet that give us some keys on what this river is, what it does for us, how do we tap into it, and then how does that then flow out to a dying world? Amen? Yeah. So let's just read this scripture through, and it'll be up on the screen. <clears throat> I'm just going to turn it this way so it's bigger. That's great. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. Now, this all sounds a little bit, you know, out there, but I'll, I'm going to ground it, Okay. Then he brought me back. So this is an angel has taken the hand of Ezekiel and he's shown him all these things. And now he's taking him back to the door of the temple, okay? The angel is taking Ezekiel. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar, and he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. He's talking about the temple, right? And this is the flowing from the temple of God. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water, and then the water came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned, and, and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned, there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and then on the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down to the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. 
And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because the the waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Englam, and they will be places for spreading, spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps, look, look at this, but its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and on that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves will be medicine. There's a few things. It all sounds really, you know, out there, doesn't it, Ev? Like, because we're talking about a prophet speaking, a prophet seeing a vision. So they're metaphors. He's seeing metaphors of things that God's trying to communicate to his people. The first metaphor we see is the river really is a metaphor of the life of the Holy Spirit in a believer. So this river, if it flows through us, the Holy Spirit flows through us, these things will happen that I'm going to share with you. I want to share this with you too. Angels don't just measure space but they measure hearts and they measure worship. And I heard recently there was a a church and they saw this angel come into their church and he was measuring. He had a measuring tape and he was measuring and he was literally measuring the worship. And then he he was going around measuring people and he was measuring their hearts of how much their hearts were into the worship. So when he's measuring out the angel of the Lord in this scripture, he's measuring worship, he's measuring hearts, he's measuring how deep can we go? How deep do you want to go? How deep is your heart? How deep is your worship? How deep is the river in your life or the river in your church? And so, and there are keys in this chapter that I want to meditate on this morning. So the first thing I want to talk about in verse 1 it says, then he brought me back. See, we, need, we have to understand words are not just thrown into Scripture. Every word is significant. We know that the Word of God is living and active. And we need to look at words and go, what is he saying when he says, then he brought me back? He brought me back. And I got this out of it. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing under the threshold of the temple. Then he brought me back to the door. Who's the door? Jesus is the door. How many times does God have to grab us and get our attention and bring us back to Jesus who is the door? So many times we're trying to do the Christian life without going through the door. There is a door that's been set in front of us. And it's like the angel of the Lord is saying in this scripture, hey, even to start this journey, let's just find the door for starters. I mean, I get so many Christians say to me, I'm stuck, I'm dead, I'm dry, I don't know how to get out of this place. And I said, well, the first thing we need to do, according to Scripture, is to find the door. We need to go back to the door, which is Jesus. We've got to find Jesus. We've got to find this relationship with him. We've got to find this love for Jesus, amen? Then he brought me back to the door. He brought me back to the door. Everything must come through Jesus, and he brought me back to my first love. Who knows in, Re- in Revelations that it talks about the churches in the last days and it says there's this church where it says, well, I have this against you. You've done all these things great. You've done all these things good. But I have this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You've forgotten what it's like. You know, that's why I want to draw that picture and, and I want to remind myself constantly What did it feel like when he was in the room? What did it feel like when Jesus was there? What did it feel like when he looked into my eyes and the very depths of my soul were laid bare before his his gaze? 
What did that feel like? What did it feel like when you first found Jesus? You know, when you first discovered who he was, when you stepped out of darkness into light, do you remember what that felt like? Your first love, when you're first in love with him. You know, everybody says to you, the honeymoon period will pass. It's like, well, I'm still in the honeymoon 42 years later. I'm sorry, but I, I just, I'm still in love. The same with my husband, like 38 years, I think it is next, next week. And we're still in our honeymoon, aren't we, darling? I mean, I, every time he walks past me, I just, I'm just in love again every time I look at him. What's it like with Jesus when we remember our first love and just keep stirring that? So the first thing the angel does in this story is bring us back. The next thing that he does, it says that he brought me out. He brought me out. In verse 2, what did he bring us out of? What has he got to draw us out of? Well, he needs to draw us out of despondency for a starter. Huh? Anybody feel despondent recently, especially over those COVID, those beautiful three years where God was really dealing with our hearts and checking out who we were and we all got a bit despondent? He needs to draw us, he needs to bring us out of, out of myself. You know, you need, sometimes I just need to get out of myself, out of my small thinking, out of my small world, me, myself, and I, you know what I mean? And my problems and, and everything that's going on. And then me and my family and our white picket fence and our nice house and that the whole world's going to hell and I'm just like stuck in this small space. He wants to bring us out into a wider space. You know, it says... It says in Isaiah 54, stretch forth your tent pegs, widen, make it wider. Let God stretch you. Let God make you bigger. Let God bring you out of where you've been. Bring me out of where I've been, God. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be stuck. I want to come out. Bring me out of my small world. Bring me out of complacency. Oh, it's so easy, isn't it? Have you ever had the thought, Oh, I wish I didn't have all this responsibility. You know, we just, we just went on holidays and, and it was lovely for two and a half weeks. But I looked around at all the grey nomads in our caravan park and I hadn't dyed my hair, so I was one of them. I blended in. Phil says Janice Joplin visited our caravan. And, and I looked around at these grey nomads and, and you know, in, in my heart of hearts, I went, you poor things. To, have, to think that this is your life, this, this is your life, that I'm in a caravan and, and for my life, the rest of my life, I'm just going to travel around in this caravan and this is supposed to be exciting. But you know what? We looked, we went down the beach, we were the only ones basically on the beach and like we had AKs of beach, gorgeous crystal clear water, it was a bit cold, but it was gorgeous this gorgeous beach, guess what? All the grey nomads, they don't even go to the beach. They just park the caravan there and just smell it from a distance. It's like, what's... Like, we can just get so complacent. Even that there's a beach right there, I've driven all this way, parked my caravan, got my two little chairs, I've got my little fireplace for night, and I'm just going to sit here all day. I think, oh, God, save us. Oh, God, save us. I'd rather, you know, and all we could do was walk around the caravan park wanting to witness to everyone that came near us because the fire of God never goes out. It's just like, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to live a small world. I don't want to be that. He needs to bring us out of our depression. He needs to bring us out of our lukewarm Christianity. You know, for goodness sake, you're never happy. When you're lukewarm, you're never happy, are you? You know, there's so many times where I just let myself get like that, where I just think, oh, can I just have a, a week off? A week off praying, a week off pressing in. And then I'm there and it's just like, ooh, for a start, as I don't like myself. Right? Everybody's looking at me like, you like yourselves when you're in the flesh? Huh? I don't like me when I'm in the flesh, Candy. I don't think my kids do either. All my grandkids. So I like to stay in the spirit because I want to be a mother in the spirit. I want to be a grandmother in the spirit. 
I mean, I want my whole life to be in the Spirit. I want to go to the shops in the Spirit. I don't want, I want to be driving in the Spirit. I'm not going to have like a big meltdown and yell at somebody, you know, in another car. You know, I want to be in the Spirit at all times. I want to come out of lukewarm Christianity and I want to come out of disconnect. You know, disconnect is a place we can go when we're in trauma. And I think we all went through trauma in, in uh, you know, during COVID, it was a traumatic time for us. And really inside yourself, we have this mechanism in our brain when things get traumatic that we can actually disconnect. We can actually go into some sort of nothing box. We can also go into this place where it's just, I'm just on cruise control. You know when you, when you put your car onto cruise control and you just... You can kind of go like that in your Christian life and you can disconnect and we want to come out. So he brought me out, verse 2. Is everyone with me? You're really quiet this morning. He brought me through, verse 3. Okay? He brought me through. He brought me through from sleepiness to being awake. Hello? Anybody awake? There's something about awakening. There's something about when he wakes you up. When, when, you know, you sort of, instead of getting up in the morning and going, oh, another day, here we go, oh my gosh, and what have I got on my calendar today? But you wake up in the morning, you go, good morning, Lord. And there's an awakening inside of you that's just like, what's going to happen today? What's on my calendar? I can't wait to see, God, what you do today. I, I wake up in the morning and I get so excited about running downstairs, putting my headphones on and getting into worship. Because I know without that, my whole day is just... But if I start with him, then it goes up. Amen? He brought me through. He brought me through this river. He brought me through this river. He brought me through this river through freedom and inner healing. I mean, as he gradually, you know, as you gradually get deeper and deeper in God, Phil always says, you know, I didn't actually give up stuff when I became a Christian. I just got filled up with God and there was no room for the stuff anymore. And then it just popped off the top. You know what I mean? Instead of going, now I'm a Christian, I have to give up this and this and this and this. It was just like we became Christians and we just got so full of God they just kept filling us up and filling us up. And it's like, well, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. I don't need those friends anymore. I don't need to go to that place anymore. I don't need that substance anymore. I don't need this anymore. I don't need to swear anymore. It just kept coming up. And, and more of God, the more of God. So the deeper you get into this river, and then, and then he starts to touch on your past and your freedom and healing and and he's bringing you through and you're being transformed by the power of God. I mean, there's a transformational process in the river of God where he changes you from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into what? Into the very image of his son. We need to be changed. We should be changing. As this river flows through, it's a cleansing river, isn't it? It's the water. It's cleansing. So beautiful, so beautiful. I remember when we were little kids, and dad, dad and mum took us on this holiday, which we rarely went on holidays, but it was a Halvors and houseboat. And we went down the Hawkesbury River on a houseboat with six kids and mum and dad. It was craziness. I don't know why they ever thought they weren't going to lose one of us or kill one of us, but here we were, crazy kids. But I remember this day, dad pulled up at this little sort of bank on the side of the river and there was a full-blown waterfall like it was flowing so strong and dad says get out kids go have a shower you all stink and so we and honestly the feeling of standing under that icy cold fresh mountain water I I can remember it even now just that feeling of just I just want to stay there forever it was just the most beautiful feeling, just being trapped in this flow of this water. And that's what it's like when God's pouring out his river on you, when he's pouring out. It's like you just get clean. You just, just, you don't stink anymore. It's like he just washes every part of you. He washes your eyes and your ears and it just flows down over you. It's just the most beautiful 
thing. He brought me through compromise to holiness and purity. You know, sometimes there's things that we, we kind of know we shouldn't be doing or we shouldn't be watching or we shouldn't be saying or we shouldn't be partaking of, but we kind of just, we, we, get, we get, what's the word? Uh, declimatize, is that the word? What's Desensitized, yeah. We get desensitized. And, and what would used to make us go, oh, I feel sick when I watch that. Now we say, oh, well, you know, I can just overlook that. And, and suddenly we become declimatized and we, we, we realize that things are changing inside of me and I don't feel as holy and as pure as I used to because there's things coming in my eye gates, in my ear gates. There's things maybe that I'm doing that I never used to do, but I've started doing again and, and, and I'm excusing I'm making excuses for that. Maybe, you know, I'm having a glass of wine each day, but suddenly it's I'm having a glass of wine every, every day. And now I'm having two, and now I'm having three. And suddenly things begin to change inside of you. And it's like, no, I need that fresh river again to flow through me. I need to get back to that place of purity. And, and I know with Phil and I, sometimes when we're in those kind of places, that we actually just go on a fast. Just say, look, let's just fast for three days and, and just find God again. Sometimes you've got to do radical things like that to just say, I'm going to fast and I'm just going to stop eating for three days. I'm just going to drink water and I'm just going to pray until I find that space again. You've got to contend, especially in the days we're living in now, you've got to contend for God. You've got to contend for his presence because there's so much all around you that's trying to come in and destroy the image of God in you and in this world and in human beings. The enemy is trying to destroy the image of God. And see, as we, it says as we behold him, we become more like him. As we behold him, we become like him. In fact, as we behold him, we become a mirror image of him. And so the devil is trying to destroy the image of God and we Christians, we have to rise up and go, no, I'm going to become more like the image of God. I'm going to present myself to God more until the world can see him in me. Amen? And he brought me out. He brought me through self-doubt, pain, trauma, and past experiences. So all this happens as he's just leading us through this river. And sometimes it's just like, you know, some of the trauma and the past experiences in our lives, it's like, I can only handle ankle deep right now, God. And he goes, that's fine, but I don't want to leave you there. And then he'll gently take us by. I love it that the angel in this story continues to take him by the hand and it says, and lead me. See, the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside of us. And it says he will never let us go through anything that he first doesn't give us the strength. And then the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and the Holy Spirit whispers to us, I think we can go deeper. You know that pain you experienced, you know, maybe as a child or whatever. I reckon we can go deeper there. You know that trauma you experienced a few years back? You know, you haven't been able to look at that yet, but, but you know what, Holy Spirit goes, I reckon we can go a little deeper. Let me take you, let me lead you just a little deeper into the river of God. Maybe just up to your knees for now. And now we can, just, we can just go to that space until you feel like you feel confident that I can take you a little deeper. Because that's what he's like, the Holy Spirit. He's never going to pick us up and throw us in the water like some parents do. I'll teach you how to swim. Swim. I've seen parents do that. You know what I mean? And the kid's like, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit will actually get in the water with you and lift you and hold you up. Amen. Sometimes he'll just let you float on your back. You ever been like that? We just go, I just don't have the strength. But you know, when you don't have the strength, that's when you need to be in the deep water where you don't need to put your feet down on the ground, where you don't need to control, but he can just, he can just, come on, just float. Ever, any parents do that when you were a kid? Teach your kids how to swim. Just lay on your back and just float. I got you. You know, and the kid's going, I want to put my head down. No, it's all right. I've got you. I've got you. Just float on your back. And they float on their backs, but they keep their head up. Put your head down. It's okay. I've got you. And then finally they put their head down, and they realize how beautiful it is. Just floating, just floating in this river, in this water. With, with You know, Daddy's got me. It's okay. I'm all right. He's got me. 
Amen. And I love this. In verse 3, it says, He brought me through first. And when the man went out to the east with the lion in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. We can't take anyone anywhere that we haven't been ourselves. He brought me through first. You know, people say, how do you lead a church? How do you lead a people? How do you, how do you deal with all the stuff that goes on in church life? It's like, I go there first. I want to be so, so much more filled with the Holy Spirit than the people that I'm leading. I want to go there first. If, 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 if I'm hurt and if I'm offended, I want to deal with that first before I try and lead my people through forgiveness and through healing. You know what? If I've got no faith for a situation, I want to go there first and let God build faith in my life and build the muscles of faith so that I can lead the people. And we can't go take people anywhere that we haven't been ourselves because it, when, this river is like this. When, you, when, you, when you're constantly living in this space of river life, it's like the river fills you and it's so beautiful, but then it begins to flow out. And then it's like whatever you touch lives. We read that. Whatever you touch, wherever this river touches, whatever this river flows to, it lives. Amen? So let's go there ourselves. And he brought me through gradually, and we talked about that. It says in verse 4 to 5, And again, he measured a thousand cubits and brought me through the waters until it came up to my knees. Again, he measured a thousand cubits and came up to my waist. And again, he measured a thousand cubits, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim that could not be crossed. He wants us to get into a place, really, in this kind of presence of God where we actually let go of control. Because that, that's what stops us from flowing in God. It's like our fear, our control, our, our fear of man. What if I look silly? What if God touches me and he starts to stir stuff inside of me? What if I speak in tongues and it looks weird? What if I fall over in the spirit? Because we want control. We want to control our, our situation. And that's why Ezekiel talks about this river where finally the angel leads into a place where it's so deep, where I've got no control. Do you know what it's like when the water's deep and you just can't put your feet down? And then you've just got to float. There's no other way you can do it. You've just got to float. I remember we went to the Dead Sea. Weirdest, weirdest place in the world, the Dead Sea. It's definitely dead. And, um, you know, and it was like 50, I think it was 52 degrees that day. And we'd just been in the desert and climbed this, this great mountain in, in the middle of a desert. We looked at all these, Mount Masada, and looked at all these caves and like, they were saying, you've got to drink water every, every few minutes. You've got to drink water because you're going to die of dehydration because it was just pouring out of us. So hot. And then they say, it's okay because we're going to the Dead Sea after this. Oh, thank God. And I'm thinking about the sea in Australia. I'm thinking about, I'm going to dive in and be refreshed in the waters, you know. And so we got there and they, they, they lined us up and they, there's all these rules. Make sure you don't put your head under this water. Uh, don't get one drop in your mouth or it could shut your lungs down. You know, you, yeah. And, and, and then as you walk in, you'll probably sink in mud up to your knees, but just keep walking and just, you can't stand in this water. You actually have to float. You've got no choice. You, your legs come out from underneath you because of the amount of minerals and salt that's in the water. Your legs come out from underneath you. you just got to float. So you're just like, whoa, whoa. And it's so hot. It's like a hot bath on a 52 degree day. It's not nice. It is not nice, you know, and that's out of control in the wrong way. You know, you don't want to swim in that kind of water. And then you get out of the water and they say, okay, now put the mud all over your body and stand in the 52 degree sun until the, the mud cakes on your body. I've got photos of me, Phil. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and then you've got to stand under this big shower with 100 other people 
and try and fight for a bit of water to get the mud off. But don't get it in your eyes or your mouth or it'll burn your eyes out and shut your lungs down. So not a good place to be. We need to be in a place where we're out of control in a beautiful, refreshing river where the Holy Spirit is just carrying us along. He wants us to be in a place until we, to, and in this place of letting go until we learn to trust God. You know, it's, it's, we say we trust God, but we trust God a little bit at a time and then we pull back, don't we? This is our human nature. We say, Lord, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you with my kids till one of them gets sick and it's like, ugh, ugh, stress attack, you know, panic attack, the kid's in hospital, what am I going to do? I can't breathe, I can't breathe. It's like, and it's like, I trust you, but I trust you, God. Well, we don't really. Because if we trusted him, we would be in peace. Do you know what I mean? No matter what goes on in our life. So this river, it gives us this peace. I, the, other, the other morning, I often get dreams from God just as I'm waking up in the morning. And I had this dream from God early in the morning. And I saw this beautiful woman. And she had braid, a braid down the back of her head. And she was just standing in this river. She was standing in this river. And there was chaos going on all around her, but she, she was just lost in this peace. She was just lost there. And I said to the Lord, what is it? He said, this is the church. This is where I'm leading the church into this space where she can just stand in the midst of no matter what's going on around her and she's just going to have a supernatural peace. And I knew that the peace was supernatural. It wasn't something that, that this woman or the church had tried to get or had worked at getting or had done, ticked all the boxes to get. It was just a supernatural peace. And the Lord said, to those that are obedient in this day, that hear my voice and enter into this space where they'll open up their lives to me, I will, in, I will give them supernatural peace in the days to come. And things will be going on around them, and they're just going to be in total peace. And I said to the Lord, what does the braid mean? You know, the braid in the hair, everything has a meaning. And he said to me, that signifies the childlike faith that my people will have in these days. Just childlike, just being a childlike faith. Just saying, Dad's got this. I know you've got me, Dad. I know you're in control. Amen. Until we learn to float and go with the flow of the stream, until we lose all fear of man, until we humble ourselves and let go, until we realize God knows best and he has got me. Now, after all this, I think this is interesting because the angel of the Lord takes him right through this river. He's, knee, he's ankle deep, he's knee deep, he's waist deep. And now he's in a river that he can't even control and he's out of control and he's in this space with God. And then the angel says, okay, now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to return you to where you came into the bank of the river and now I'm going to see if you can see with different eyes. Yeah. So he says, then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. He returned me to the bank where I went into the river where I couldn't see anything before this. All I could see was this river and this angel. Can't see anything else. Then he returns me to the bank of the river and he says, now, son of man, do you see this? So there's something that happens when we've been in the presence of God where our eyes begin to change. You know, God says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's almost like he's saying, come up here. You know, in Revelations, Jesus is the door. And he says, come up here and I will show you great and mighty things that must yet take place. Come up here. There's like a washing of our eyes. There's a washing of our vision. There's a washing of our motives when we've been in the river of God. And the angel of the Lord said to him, son of man, have you seen this? Now we see through different eyes. Our eyes have been opened through the journey of the spirit to now seeing in the spirit to see what God sees. These are the things that he saw when he stood there, which he didn't see before. He said there were many trees on each side of the river. You know, the Bible talks about that we would be 
trees of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Remember that old song? That we will be trees of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, that we might be da-da-da-da-da-da-da, oi, glorified. No one remembers that song. Anyway, <laughs> it's going back. That was church in the 80s, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're trees of righteousness. So now he can see that there are trees on the side of this river. Other people that have been through this river and now are planted on the side of this river as trees of righteousness, oaks of the Lord. And then he says, when the, and he saw this, when the water reaches the sea, its waters are healed. He saw that. So he realized that not just in his own little world what was happening to him, now he's looking, he's saying, when the water reaches the sea, the sea waters get healed. In other words, anywhere where this river goes, it's touching. So not just now is this river affecting my life, not just is it affecting my church, not just is it affecting my family, not just is it starting to affect my community, but now this river is going out to the nations of the earth and it's affecting, the Bible says, and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters. So now it's going out. Now it's affecting nations. Now it's affecting strongholds. Now it's affecting governments. Now it's affecting leadership, kings and, and princes will bow their knee as the water of the Lord, the glory of the Lord fills the earth, amen. As this river goes out, everything it touches heals. But it starts with me. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Isn't it? It starts with me. We all say, oh, you know, the world's going crazy. Everything's going crazy. Well, start with me. Start here, Lord. What can this little river trickle do? Well, it can trickle into your river, and then it can trickle into your river, and then it can trickle into your river, and then it can trickle into the community, and then it can trickle into the nation, then it can trickle into the nations. Imagine if every Christian on the face of the earth learned how to walk in the river of God and live there. Amen? Imagine that. Just imagine it for a minute. And then he saw this, every living thing that it touches is healed and brought to new life. So suddenly, all of a sudden, healings are breaking out. And we're beginning to see this now right across the earth. Miraculous healings are beginning to happen. You are going to be, you're going to have a gift of healing. Healing is going to flow from you. As the river flows, it says everything that it touches is healed. How many times do you pray for the sick and nothing's happened? But all of a sudden, this river that's flowing through you because you've pressed into the encounter with God because you've said, I'm going to live this lifestyle of river life. Then now, out of my hands, the river flows and the river flows and it brings healing to wherever it touches. It brings healing and it brings life. Things begin to come alive. People are born again. Suddenly, we see life beginning to spring up. He could see now. He could see the effects of this river. Once he'd been through it, his eyes were open to see the effects of this river. And then it says, there are a great multitude of fish of all varieties. Another translation says, fish of all colors. I like to say fish of all types. What a fish. What a fish in the river. It's the harvest. It's time for fishermen. But they're all types. There's weird people, there's drug addicts, there's funny colored people, there's all kinds of colors of people, there's all kinds of strengths, there's rich people, there's poor people, there's fat, skinny, ugly, there's all kinds of people and they're all waiting for a fisherman to come and realize that they're swimming in this river and they're lost and they've got no direction and they don't know where they're going but they need someone to get into the river, come out of the river so they can see with eyes that there are pits Fish in this river, multitudes, a great many, the scriptures say, a great many fish in this river that are just all varieties. And then he looked and he saw men on the side of the river putting nets in. Jesus said, and I will make you fisher of men. 
follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Suddenly, these people that were consumed with their own lives, these people that were in self-centered life, that were compromising, that were shut down, that didn't feel the presence of God, they've been taken through this river. And now, not only are they trees bringing life along the side of the river, but they're fishermen putting nets in and they're fishing. And they're fishing and they're bringing the harvest in because that's what God's doing. You say, oh, these river people, what do they want to just float around a river? What difference does a river make? I want to tell you this. A river transforms you into the very, very person of Jesus Christ and he gives you the heart of Jesus and suddenly you see the lost. Suddenly you see all around you the work that is to be done. We haven't got time to be grey nomads. Amen. And sit around and stare at kangaroos. My goodness me, there's fish in that water and we need to get them. Amen. And then everybody wants to catch the fish, but no one wants to gut the fish. And so I love gutting fish. My dad would say to me when I was a kid, he says, you can come fishing with me, but you've got to gut your own fish. And I thought, this is disgusting. And he gives me this knife and he shows me how, I can still remember the sound of the fish's flesh. And then he says, stick your hand in there and pull those guts out. And I'm going, oh, as a little girl, I'm just going, can't the boys do this stuff? No, you want to come fishing with me? You've got to gut the fish. Well, I realized there's a lot of people that want to go fishing in the church, but no one wants to gut them. (laughs) I don't mind catching a crazy person, but you can deal with their craziness afterwards. But I I love dealing with their craziness. I love gutting fish. It's beautiful, isn't it? Well, you do, you get used to it, Taro, and you love it because you realize that there's just all this stuff that's on people that's been dumped on them by the world, and you get excited about bringing their true colors. That's why I love you. No. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They may be a beautiful multicolored fish and they look black, and you know, it's up to us to tra- bring transformation power. <laughs> Whoops. Um, what was the next thing I've got here? The catch will be exceedingly great. He saw that the catch will be exceedingly great. Remember when Jesus said, you throw your nets out the other side? Right. Oh, no, no, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. Don't tell us to go out again. How many people in the church feel like that right now? Yeah. We've been fishing for years. We never get anyone saved. We'll throw your nets out the other side. Get through the river Open your eyes. See that the Messiah is sitting on the bank navigating what you're doing. Do you know what I'm saying, Pauline? I mean, they did, did they realize they were in the presence of Jesus who with a, like that can make fish appear? Do you know what I mean? And they throw it down and then what happened? They couldn't even pull it in. There was that many fish. They had to call their friends. They had to call their friends. Come and help me. There's too many fish to pull in. Come and help me. I need help. This is what we're doing right now. There's too many fish to pull in. Can you get in that down river and get filled with God? Because there's fish to pull in. And this net's too heavy for those of us who are trying to haul it in by ourselves. Amen. Oh, well, you can go there theologically later. Okay. He's trying. That was the wrong side culturally. Jesus was trying to say it should be. Okay, you can bring that when you preach. <laughs> oh, don't you love it? Yeah, I love it. Um, I love this that he saw too. He saw the river flowing and touching everything, but then he said, but the swamps and the marshes will not be healed. In other words, and, and, and it says that the salt will destroy them. And I just couldn't think, I'll think of the Dead Sea. And, and I think about the swamps and the marshes, and I think about people that as Jesus is putting out, as the Holy Spirit is putting out this cry, you know, get into the river. Get into the river. You need to get in the river now. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to make it through the days that are ahead if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to have the peace that you need if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and in this river, in this river lifestyle. You're not going to be able to bring the, the, the lost in. You're not going to heal the sick if you're not in this river. And people are going to actually say, no, I'm cool, thanks. I'm cool, thanks. I'm quite happy with my lifestyle Christianity. 
me, myself and I and our white picket fence and we're doing just fine. Thanks. And we go to church on Sundays. What else do you want? No, actually, actually, you're going to die. You're going to die. Because didn't Jesus say that we are the salt of the earth? Huh? So what happens if you stop giving salt out? You get salt killed. Who turned into a pillar of salt? Lot's wife, because she looked back. She refused to go where God was calling her to go. She looks back, she turns into a pillar of salt. It says that these seas, the marshes and the swamps, will actually be put to death by their own salt. <laughs> that's pretty intense, isn't it? I was getting this when I was sitting there yesterday. I'm going, whoa, that's, that's really good, Holy Spirit. You know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you go, wow, 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 I'll write that one down. So cool when he talks like that. Um, the swamps and the mushrooms will not be healed. And then he saw these, the trees. He looks at the trees again and he goes, hang on a minute. Those trees are bearing much fruit. And the fruit is food for the hungry. And the word of God is going to come out of us and it's going to fill people. Look at those young people. In Jesus' name, we love them, Lord. Bless our young people. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. What was I saying? The fruit. He saw the trees and they had fruit. And he said, and the fruit was food. You know, let that, didn't Jesus say, let there be food in my house? Let there be food. We don't want to go to church and go away hungry. We don't want to talk to people and leave them hungry. Someone says, oh, my friend has died of cancer. Oh, I'll pray for you. Bless you. No, pray now. Bring them food now. Ask them what you can do now. How can I help now? Where's the food? And so as we go through these rivers, this river lifestyle, we end up having fruit to feed people. The word of God begins to be locked up inside of our hearts. We read the word and it becomes food to us. And then we feed people with what, what comes out. The, you know, not just the, the loaves and the fishes. Now, Jesus is multiplying the word in us. He's multiplying the word out of us and he's feeding the 5,000, the 10,000. He's feeding everyone that comes around. So he could see these things now. And then he said, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. I reckon that's the prayers. I reckon that's the trees. Like, oh, thank you to all the people right now that are praying in this church. Our prayer groups are growing faster than any group in the church right now. I think that's a sign. And you know, when, when, when those leaves, you know what happens when the leaves drip the eucalyptus? Do you know what I mean? The oil. The oil comes off the leaves and it brings healing to the nations and the prayers of the saints. It says that the prayers of the saints are kept in a bowl. And then that bowl is going to be tipped out over the nations in the last days. Amen. So I just think those trees, they're not just going to give food, but they're going to be interceding and praying and getting breakthrough. Amen. And standing together and bringing healing to the nations. And it says this at lastly, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Because all these things happen. And we say, oh, you know, get in the river, get a touch of God, you know, fall over in the spirit, speak in tongues, you know, laugh in the spirit, cry in the spirit, shake in the spirit, all these things. Well, what's all that about? Well, that's what that's all about. Every point that I've just given you there is what God is trying to accomplish through his church. If we just learn to live in this river space, just learn to live in this river space. Amen. Let God fill you. Just make opportunities. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. I'm too busy. I'm too dead. I'm too much of a sinner. Whatever it is, stop making excuses. Just lay yourself out and say, angel of the Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm ready to go in. Take me in one level at a time. Amen? And this is the scripture I was speaking about in Revelations 21. 
and I'm nearly finished. And he showed me a pure river of the water. He showed me a pure river of the water of life. Water of life. Clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street, on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So you can see that this is a repeat of what Ezekiel saw. Amen. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They will see his face. They shall see his face. Amen. And his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no there shall be no night there. No need for a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And just while the worship team come, I just want to read you these lyrics of this song to finish. There was a song that Bethel brought out a few years ago, and I just remember just playing this song on repeat over and over and over again, saying, God, this is where I want to live. Anybody else want to live there? Because everything else makes sense. You know, when I'm not in this flow of God, when I take a few days off praying or pressing in, and I just realize, no, I don't like my life without your depth, God. I'm not happy, actually. It's actually worth pressing in for this happiness in God. And these are the lyrics of the song that Bethel wrote a little while ago. I have come to this place in my life where I'm full, but I'm not satisfied. Anybody? I mean, you might have so much of God in you. It's not like you're empty, but you're not. Who's satisfied? Anybody satisfied? Amen. This longing to have more of you. And I can feel it. My heart is convinced. I'm thirsty. My soul can't be quenched. You already know this, but still, come and do whatever you want to. Amen? Let's just stand to our feet while I read the rest of these lyrics. I'm standing knee deep, and I'm out where I've never been. And I feel you coming, and I hear your voice on the wind. Would you come and tear down these boxes that I've tried to put you in? Let love come. Teach me who you are again. Would you take me back to the place where my heart was only about you and all I wanted was just to be with you? Come and do whatever you want to. And further and further, my heart moves away from the shore. Whatever it looks like, Whatever may come, Lord, I am yours. And further and further, my heart moves away from the shore. Whatever it looks like, whatever may come, I am yours. And then you crash over me. And I've lost control, but I'm free. I'm going under. I'm in over my head. And you crash over me. And that's where you want me to be. I'm going under, in over my head. Whether I sink or whether I swim, it makes no difference when. I'm beautifully in over my head. And whether I sink or whether I swim, makes no difference when. And I'm beautifully under, beautifully in over my head. Lord Jesus, we want to be in and under over our heads this morning. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord this morning in this place? Because we're coming in, Lord. We're coming in, God. Yes, we are. Yes, we are, Jesus. I want to see you, Lord. want to see you, God. want to see you face to face.
a song unto the Lord. Just let a cry come from your heart of love. I just want more of you, Lord. Yes, I do. 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 Let the river crash. 